Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Not every deer is hunted the same. On this episode, I'm going to talk about the tactics that work best for hunting big bucks versus young bucks versus does. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we are talking about how to hunt different deer and what tactics work best for each. And there's two big factors in particular that we're going to key in on based on the title of this episode, of course, but this is a bigger conversation than just that. You see a lot of advice that, you know, on the internet, on TV, wherever else about how to hunt deer and what works best and what you need to do and what's worked best for this hunter and what's worked best for that person and this magazine and that YouTube channel and on and on and on. There's no shortage of information out there. How do you sort through it? Well, so often there's conflicting recommendations now, part of that is because you just there's just bad information out there. There's just bad information. Uh, part of it, there's just incomplete information. Some people know a little bit, and then they mix the, the little bit of good info they have with the old wives' tales and tradition and things that never worked and all that kind of stuff, and you get this mix. But by and large, I think that's not the majority of it. That's some of it. By and large, I think the biggest issue is people give advice based on specific conditions, regions, and types of deer. Okay, so for example, hunting big bucks requires different strategy than hunting younger bucks, which requires different strategy than hunting does. There are certain tactics that are going to work really good for hunting does, but they are not going to work good for big bucks. They may work really good for hunting does. They may work okay for hunting younger bucks, but they're not going to work for big bucks. 
vice versa, there's certain tactics for hunting big bucks, you would not be as successful hunting does using those same tactics as you might other tactics. Or you might find yourself, you know, going way further out of your way and having to do a lot more following big buck hunting tactics when you're trying to get does and it could have been a whole lot easier for you and a lot simpler. Um, you know, so you've got different advice for different things that people are hunting. You know, in some states, in certain regions or maybe parts of states, you know, big bucks are so rare that there is no advice for hunting big bucks. You know, in western Pennsylvania, for example, there are very few big bucks that are taken. Very few trophy bucks. There are some. They are out there. They come in every year. I see some at the meat processor when I go to drop my deer off and pick mine up. But the mo the majority of them, I mean 90% of the bucks that are taken, they are two and a half year old bucks or younger. So you got 90% of the hunt that's going on. You know, there's a there's different tactics, different strategies to take those deer versus big bucks. And not to say that hunting big bucks is better. I don't believe that. I, I, that's not the way I interpret the, the deer hunting universe. Uh, and not to say bucks are better than does either. You know, what you're after is what you're after. What you have in your area is what you have in your area. What you want to hunt and what's fun for you is what's best and what's fun for you. So it's not like one's better than the other. But what you end up happening is... You've got people with advice for hunting smaller bucks, younger bucks, you know, two and a half years or younger. And that is different advice than to hunt big bucks, which is also different advice than for hunting does. So what happens then is, okay, you get all this advice that, that's coming out of that region and folks that hunt in regions like that. And they say, this is what works. And that just gets applied blanket across all deer. You know, deer hunting is like this. Well, no, hunting those kind of deer in that area may be like that. That may be A-plus advice for that type of deer in that area, but that does not apply universally. And, you know, it's interesting. You, you post something on YouTube, for example, that is 100% rock-solid advice for particular type of hunting in a particular region. And, man, the hate mail that you will get from people who hunt a different kind of game in a different region that are trying to, you know, completely and utterly discredit that advice. Well, no, the advice is sound. The, the, the tactics may be sound, but it's just not applied across the board. So you need to think bigger than, okay, I read an article about deer hunting, watched a YouTube video about deer hunting. You got to think bigger than that. You need to find advice that applies to what you're hunting and, and the region and the area that you're hunting also. That's going to give you the best chance for success. So today we're talking about, you know, the different strategies for hunting different kinds of deer. So, uh, you know, what matters most to bucks, particularly big bucks, is different than what matters most to does. So... We'll just jump right into it here. So when you're hunting does, the number one thing does care about is food. That's number one on their list. Does can deal with an outrageous amount of pressure 
an outrageous amount of, of just human interaction and proximity if the food is good and they can get close to it and bed close to it. Food matters number one when it comes to does. If you can have food and then some cover, doesn't have to be great cover, but some cover, those does will bed near that food. It doesn't matter if it's in a neighborhood, if it's in a subdivision, or if it's on you know 10,000 acres of public game lands. If there's good food, does are going to be there. They're going to be close to it. And very little is going to keep does away from that food. Now, you could storm in there and spook them out of there. They're going to come back to that food. Now, you do it enough times, they're going to stop coming back during the day, but they will come back during the night. If the food is good, does are going to be there. You let that land rest for a little while, they'll start coming back in the daytime. It is hard to push does away from good food and them not come back just it's 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 not something that happens easily or regularly bucks on the other hand particularly big bucks they care most about safety cover that's what matters most to them they are wary they have spent their life dodging hunters dodging people and the reason why not a lot of people see a lot of big bucks is because those bucks have learned where to go where they're not seeing people. You know, like in my part of the state, I told you most of the deer taken are smaller bucks. That doesn't mean there's not big bucks out there. But because there's so much hunting pressure, those big bucks, they, get, they become extra educated and extra wary and they get pushed into hiding deeper, further, and at the, at the slightest hint of hunting pressure, they're moving, they're leaving that area, or they're just going to go mostly nocturnal, um, you know, and, and wait things out. They've just become so wary and so educated. Whereas a state like uh, maybe Iowa, where your hunting numbers are a lot lower, where your pressure is a lot lower, bucks will take a little bit more. They will be a little less quick to, they, they won't be quite as skittish maybe for big bucks versus high pressure states. So you need to understand a little bit about the hunter numbers in your state and in your region. How many people are hunt in, with an archery? How many people hunt with a rifle or you know whatever firearm season, whatever season you plan to hunt in? And that'll give you a sense for how those deer behave. But when you're talking about bucks versus does, what matters to the two of them are very different. So does care a lot more about food, but bucks care a lot more about safety. And in particular, bucks are going to be much more wary of the wind, of trying to scent and smell and, and detect you with their nose. They'll be much more wary. You know, does are not going to circle around a food plot and come in from the downwind side. It's, it's not going to happen on a regular basis. They, they don't really care that much. Bucks, on the other hand, they have learned to do that, to scent does and to smell does and to detect them. And then they find, you know, in states where there's significant hunting pressure, oh, this works really good for detecting humans. So if you have a food source, yeah, bucks need to eat too. Yeah, they're drawn to good food. Yeah, they're going to be there. But they're going to be much more wary. 
they're going to care a lot more about the wind. They will much more often circle around an area in dense cover and and be able to scent it from downwind and then approach from the safest angle, which is going to blow you out of the hunt too much of the time if you're using tactics that are geared for hunting does. So how does this, this work in the real world? All right, say you're doe hunting. You're trying to find food. All right, you're, 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 you're doing two things. You want to find food and you want to find how do the does come to that food. Do they bed right next to the food? Are they bedding 50 yards away, 100 yards away? Where are those does bedding? You may be able to hunt the food. and Literally set up a hunting blind or a tree stand you know, on the edge of the food plot. That's not my favorite strategy because the chances of you spooking deer while they're eating are much higher than the chances of you spooking deer while they're walking to their dinner spot. Let me just dive into that just a little bit here because it's very relevant. When deer are eating, they're wary. They're stopped. They are some of them will act like sentries. They're always looking around because they know that they're a target, especially when they're eating in an open area, in a field, in a food plot, in a clear cut, in, in a place where the grass has you know, gotten frosted and fallen over and, and it's a lot more open. They're very, very wary in those sorts of situations. You're in a tree stand at the edge of a feeding area there's a much higher chance that uh, while they're looking around and being cautious and tails up in the air and everything else that they're going to spot you sooner or later and spook out of there. Whereas when deer are walking, when they're moving through the woods, particularly through cover, they are much less concerned about what's around them and they're looking mostly about where they're going. So it's a lot easier to get the jump on a deer that's walking through an area because they're not just they're not just sitting there, you know, slowly turning in circles looking at everything that's around them, trying to make sure they're safe and there's no predators sneaking up on them. When they're walking through the woods, just like when you walk, relative to you everything appears to be moving except for what you're staring at dead ahead, right? You know, if you're walking through the forest, all the trees beside you, all the branches, even the ground, it, it appears to be moving past you. You're the one that's moving, but it all there's your your field of vision is full of motion because you're moving through an area. Except for what's straight ahead of you, what you're staring at, that appears to move the least. Uh, but if you're stationary and something moves to the side of you, you can detect that movement much easier than if you're moving. Right, because then, you know, things just blend into movement. So when deer are walking through an area, they're not spending as much time looking around, and everything in their periphery appears to be moving more. So you can get away with a lot more. You're much less likely to spook a deer that's traveling from bedding to food, or traveling from anything to anything. But when you set up on a food plot, on a feeding area, uh, especially something that's open, could be on an apple tree. You know, whatever the case may be, you're set up on a feeding site that deer spend time eating and you're trying to hunt those deer, your chances of spooking them are much higher. Now, when you're hunting does, this may not matter. Okay, I'm not saying don't do that. In fact, that may be exactly what you should do. 
You just need to be aware of how to apply these strategies. So if you're hunting a feeding area and your intention is to shoot the first decent doe that walks out, great. That might work just fine for you. Because, you know, you're not going to let them sit there and feed for 30 minutes looking around. You're going to take the first shot at the first deer that walks out. And good. You're going to take them home. Delicious. Excellent. However, if you're hunting doe, if you're hunting bucks in that kind of environment, what's going to happen is a lot of does are going to come into that feeding area. You're not shooting those does. They're going to sit there as long as they want and eat and munch and and do whatever, hang out, and then they're going to move through. And your job becomes do not spook the does because if you spook the does, then any bucks that are watching, that are trailing, they might pick up on that spooking as well. So you become a lot. And then once those deer are out there for a while, once you eventually spook them, now they're on to you. Now, now they've become a little bit more wary. And yeah, those does are not going to instantly become nocturnal or flee the property. But the chance, but the more you do that, the more pressure you put on them, the, the less daylight movement there's going to be. And if the does aren't moving in daylight and they're bedded down or they're hiding or they're just somewhere else waiting for dark, there's a good chance the bucks are going to pick up on that one way or another. Or if the bucks are looking for the does and the does aren't there, that's all that matters. They're going to be where the does are if they're looking for them. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if you're hunting does, hunting a food source could be the perfect strategy. Could be perfect. If you're hunting big bucks, hunting a food source may not be a good strategy. Because of everything I just said, you're better off hunting the travel area, the trails leading to the food source where the wind is in your favor. And you got all those same does, they're going to come on by. They're going to walk right by you, not likely to be spooked by you and your tree stand or you and your blind if the wind is right, and then they're gone. And they're not going to spook them because they're traveling, they're moving, they're not focused and, and wary like they are when they're eating, and then you're waiting for that buck to walk by, and then boom, you've got your shot, you take it. So depending on what you're hunting, you want to hunt does, food source could be the perfect place to set up. You want to hunt bucks, ooh, wouldn't recommend that most of the time. Not always. Not always. If you can be far enough away from the food source, you know, if the food source is on a hillside on the other side of a valley and you can be 150 yards away in a blind or maybe even a tree stand with a rifle at that distance, hunting a food source might be just fine for bucks too. But if you're set up 
in the food source, right next to the food source, if you're hunting archery in any capacity, that's another story. Trying to hunt bucks on a food source can be much more difficult. Um, moving on. So then you've got the wind. All right. Does care about the wind, but nowhere near as much as they care about food. Bucks care about food, but not as much as they care about the wind. Okay, so, um, you know, a big buck, if he smells something, if he detects you, if the wind isn't right and he picks up on your scent, there's a much greater chance that buck is just going to dissolve into the, into the woods. You'll never know they were there. Whereas does, they, they may be like, eh, I don't know what that was. Eh, didn't smell close enough. Eh. They might, they might sniff you straight up. I'm like, eh, whatever. We still hungry. I've seen it happen. I have had does walk right up to me. Close enough, I could have stabbed them with the arrow. Sitting in a ground blind. There's no way they're not smelling me. But, you know what? They didn't feel threatened. They, oftentimes that's in the early season, before, before they have been shot at. They're like, eh, whatever. The food's here. I'm going to eat the food. Or whatever they're doing. They're, they're not too worried about it. I have never had that happen with a big buck. Not once. Never. Um, so it, it's a different strategy. So for bucks, you have to hunt the wind. Especially mature bucks. Gotta, 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 gotta hunt the wind. There's no option to it. If the wind is not for you, basically nothing else matters. You gotta hunt the wind. When it comes to does though... The wind it matters, you should factor the wind in, but food's gonna matter more. All right? And age matters for all kinds of deer. Okay? So one and a half year old does, two and a half year old does, they're gonna care a lot less than a big mature doe. Same thing with bucks, but big mature doe is gonna be a lot more cautious than younger does. Younger does, you might even be able to pet one, depending on where you're setting up. It can happen. It has happened. I've seen videos of it. Older does, they're still not going to be anywhere close to as wary as big bucks. All right. And they're not going to leave areas because they've been spooked a time or two. You know, a good saying that I've heard is that does are here today or here to stay. As long as there's food, they're going to be there. They might try to avoid you a little bit, but. You give them space for a few weeks, they'll go right back to their regular patterns. Whereas big bucks, you spook them out of an area once or twice, once or twice, they could be gone for the season. They could be gone for the year. I mean, they might cruise through there once or twice in the rut, but they're just moving their headquarters to another area that feels safer to them. It's a lot different scenario. So then you've got younger bucks. How do you hunt younger bucks? And I'm counting younger bucks as two and a half years and under. Now, where you live, that might be three and a half years and under. All right. If you live in an area where there's a lot of bigger, mature bucks, you know, if you live in, in Iowa or you live in some of these states that have lower hunter numbers, bucks tend to live longer and get bigger, not because they have longer lifespans, just because they haven't been shot, then you know, a younger buck is going to be relative in the age population of what's going on. So in some states, 
a mature buck, a big buck, would be considered a three and a half year old. In Pennsylvania, that's pretty much the rule of thumb for most of the state. A three and a half year old buck is going to be considered a mature buck. They're going to be the king of the forest in a lot of areas. Not always, not everywhere, but on average, that's the way it's going to be. In Iowa, for example, four and a half or five and a half year old buck is going to be considered mature. They're going to be considered in that king of the forest category. So when I talk about young bucks, it's relative to the buck age structure where you live. Of course, there are older bucks in Pennsylvania. There's just nowhere near as many of them because hunting pressure keeps that lifespan a little shorter than it does in some states. Um, but the, what happens is, you know, bucks move and interact with each other based on how they fit into the pecking order. So the way it goes down is this, uh, you know, a buck is born. It's a fawn. It's first year. It's a fawn. You don't even know if it's a guy or a girl just by looking at it. Most of the time they look almost identical. That spring comes around, boom, they start to get, they start to get, nubs little antlers now you know okay that's a male deer that's a female deer sometimes they might only be an inch sometimes they might be a couple inches either way you can finally tell what they are now in some places you know one year old buck is gonna they may develop you know a little you know a, a little you know fork point four point maybe and by the time hunting season comes around, it's a one and a half year old, right? They're born in the spring. Come next spring, they're a one year old. Come hunting season, they're a one and a half year old. So one and a half year old are, is usually going to be a spike or maybe a four point. Or if they're eating amazing food there and the weather is good and the hunting pressure is light and, and the winter forage is excellent and they're not stressed and they've got more than they can eat of high quality food, maybe just maybe you'd, you'd have a six point for a one and a half year old. Well, you get to the two and a half year old stage and now you've got deer that are six points, eight points, um, you know, depending on the forage could be a little better than that. All right, so that's gonna be the, you know, you, that, that's where, where how you get to that level. Now, when a, when a buck reaches sort of that one and a half year old zone, right around one and a half to two years, its mom pushes it out of the family group. The, the doe social pressure from its mother, in particular, pushes it out of that group, sends him out on his own. So you got these one-year-old bucks, one-and-a-half-year-old bucks, maybe two at the max. They are now on their own trying to find their way in the world. They're most often the ones shot because they, they know the least. They're on their own. They're experimenting. They're trying to figure stuff out. They're, they're out there, you know, just they don't know what to do. So often they will group up and bachelor up, you know, for much of the year until the rut comes around. Then those bachelor groups tend to break up. But for much of the year, they'll bachelor up. Maybe they'll find some older bucks and they'll run with them for part of the year. But they're, they're just, they don't know what's going on. They're just out there experimenting, doing whatever, trying to keep away from the does that, that don't want them around. And then you've got the big mature bucks that don't want them around either. So they're in this, this sort of middle zone 
for at least the hunting season, right? Earlier in, you know, in the spring and in the summer, they might get along just fine with the other bucks. Once you get towards the hunting season, they're sort of on their own. They're, 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 they're pushed out from the does. The, the mature bucks don't want them hanging around anymore. And so they're the ones that are the most susceptible from a buck standpoint. However, they're also the least predictable. Now for some hunters, that's good because you, your chances of go out and going out and getting lucky are good because you, you know, and they could wander around anytime. But if you're trying to hunt those deer in particular, oftentimes they have not established a home range yet. They're trying to find a home range. They're trying to figure out a home range. They're looking for food that they can eat without being harassed by the does, without being harassed by the bigger bucks. You know, they're just sort of on their own. Now, how long that period of their life lasts depends a little bit on where you are. If you're in an area that has a younger buck age structure, that's just going to probably be one season. If you're in an area with a higher age buck structure, that might be two seasons. And that because they're still in that middle ground. If you have a lot of big mature bucks, if you got five and a half and six and a half and seven year old bucks around, you know, they're occupying the best spots. They've got their defined ranges. They're they're gonna win the fights for does and once the breeding season comes around. So the sort of middle ground part of their life for young bucks is gonna be longer just because you've got all that going on. So to hunt those deer, those immature bucks, whether it's a, whether they're a year, year and a half, two, two and a half, depending on where you're at, to hunt those guys, you're going to use slightly different tactics than you would big bucks. They're not as wary. They're not as seasoned. They're not as smart. Uh, I don't mean they have less intelligence. They've just, they've got less experience. So you don't need to hunt them the same way you would a mature buck. On the other side of the coin, they're not going to be with does most of the time because the does don't want them there, but they will be drawn to food. So often <clears throat> those deer can be hunted opposite of the does that are in the same area. So say you have a food source and say does are there every evening. Say they're there every evening at five o'clock, like clockwork, they're there. If you're trying to hunt those younger bucks, that's probably not the right time of day to hunt them. Those bucks might be around that food then in the mornings when the does aren't there. They might be there at other times of the day when the does aren't around. It depends a lot on where you live and where you are, but the does don't want them too close because they're... They got pushed out of doe family groups because they, they, they reached the breeding age. So they're going to be a little different to hunt if you're trying to go after them. Now, once they hit mature status for wherever you are, you know, whether that's two and a half year old, three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, then you're going to hunt them just like you would a mature buck. So in certain parts of the country, a two and a half year old deer you may hunt that deer the same way you would hunt a mature buck, which means you would apply mature buck hunting principles to that deer. They would just be not quite as seasoned and wary and smart as a mature buck would be. But in terms of them trying to seclude, them trying to find habitat where they're safe, 
dense cover, away from people. Those spots are available to them because there's not older bucks occupying them because you have a lower age structure or a younger age structure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, most people are not out saying, I'm going to hunt younger bucks, right? That's not the strategy most people go into the woods with. Most people who go into the woods, they're either looking for a doe or they're looking for a mature buck. That is just usually the way it is. Whether a mature buck in your area is two and a half, three and a half, four and a half and up, you know, that varies considerably by where you are in the country. But they're going, they're not go, saying, going out saying, I'm looking for a young buck. That's just not usually the goal people have. They're either going for an antlerless deer or a mature deer. However, what walks out in front of them? A younger buck. So that's what they go home with, which is fine. I have taken those deer home too. They're delicious. I'm all for it. I have not one negative thing to say about that. But how you're hunting, you need to think about what's your goal? What are you out to get? And then you need to hone your tactics towards that. If I'm going out trying to put a doe in the freezer... I'm not going to use the same tactics that I'm going to use to try to hunt a mature buck. And if I'm going after a mature buck, I will not use the same tactics that I'm going to use for hunting a doe. And if I'm going out for a young buck, well, I just never do that. Right? That's not something I think about. That's not, an, that's not a strategy I think I've ever employed. I don't think I've ever gone out saying, let me find and, and apply strategies to hunt younger bucks. Because, um, you know, when, you, when you're looking into doing something like that, that you're, you're blurring a bunch of lines and things start to not make sense. So why would you go after a younger buck as opposed to an older buck or a doe, right? What would be the point? Why would you take a younger, why would you go after a younger buck versus a doe? If you're trying to get a deer, if you're trying to get your first deer, your second deer, whether it's deer 35, you're hungry. You want you want more venison in the freezer or you just, this is the thrill of hunt. You want to hunt does or you live in an area where any deer is a good deer. In any of those scenarios, I'm going to apply doe hunting strategies. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to position myself and hunt as if I'm trying to take a doe and that's how I'm going to go after it. And if a young buck walks out, great, taking them home. But to hunt, use to, to use young buck strategies, you're gonna push put push yourself away from strategies that might be more successful to get a doe. And there's no reason to take a young buck versus a doe if you have, um, you know, if if presented with one or the other. In fact, often maybe you see a bigger doe than the young buck. So what I'm going to do to maximize my chance of success is I'm going to apply doe hunting strategies. And if I want to get a deer, 
that's the number one way to do it is to apply doe hunting strategies. If I want to get a buck, any buck, well, I'm going to apply mature buck hunting strategies, even if I'm perfectly happy taking a young buck. You know, I, I might be 100% fine with taking a young buck home, but I'm going to apply mature buck hunting strategies because that's going to give me the most dependable level of success to get a buck, period. Because often you're, you're hunting mature bucks, you will see younger bucks too. But to try to go after younger bucks, you're going to put yourself in a category where you're less likely to see mature bucks and less likely to see does because they're in this middle ground. So the biggest chance of success is either buck hunting strategy or doe hunting strategy. So I know we've gone a long way from the title of this episode, but you know it's hard to squeeze all this stuff into a title, right? So you're talking about the wind, you're talking about food, you're talking about cover, and how deer relate to that and when they're active at what parts of the day. You know, so for example, in the early season, I know we're past that now, but most people are gonna listen to this, you know, a year or two from now at any part of the year. During the early season, I think it's easier to take a doe sometimes, not everywhere, but sometimes it's easier to take a doe in the morning. However, it's much easier to take a buck in the evening, at least where I hunt, at least, you know, in the area with the opportunities and the food and so on. You know, I could go out on on opening day of archery season and see 10 does walk by in the morning, but no bucks. And I might go out in the evening and see just as many bucks versus does. So depending on what I'm looking to take, you know, I'm going to I'm going to adjust that hunting strategy. If I'm trying to get a doe, I'm probably going to go out in the morning. But I'm going to do that for more reason than just because I'm more likely to take a doe in the morning. I'm also then less likely to spook bucks. Right? So if I shoot a doe in the morning or I put some pressure on the land in the morning, bucks aren't around that is not going to have much effect on them. Whereas if I'm trying to shoot does in the evening and there's bucks walking around with them or at the same time, then I'm much more likely to spook bucks off the property that maybe I'm hunting a different day, right? Or just to be completely honest, if it's private land or even a piece of public land that's secluded, you know, I don't necessarily want to be out there pushing bucks, even if I've already taken my buck. I don't want to be out there pushing bucks off the property if I don't have to, because then they're more likely to get shot by somebody else. So if I'm trying to get does, I I don't want to spook bucks because I don't want them to go and get shot and not be around next year. So that's, that's a piece of it. Depends on the time of year and all that. So suffice to say, you can get away with a lot more hunting does. They're a lot more tolerant to people. In a lot of areas, you know, does are living in, or at least eating in people's backyards, right? They're smelling people on a regular basis. So when they catch a whiff of you, they're much less likely to spook based on that because they're used to smelling people. Whereas mature bucks, you do have situations where they are going to get closer to, to homes and people, especially in very, you know, rural or in areas where there's just, you know, a lot of homes and they're living in between homes. Although those bucks are also likely not hunted, right? If you just, if those bucks are living in, you know, a thousand acres of sprawling subdivisions, nobody's hunting there, you can't hunt. 
So they grow up with just living differently because they're never being hunted. They're never being shot at. They're not being stalked. And they're going to be much more comfortable around people. You know, just like in Central Park. It's it's like, okay, well, yeah, there's deer everywhere. They couldn't care less. They're always around people. People are never killing them. So they develop differently. The way they perceive pressure and people and smells is different. But in the woods, when you're hunting, those does are going to care less about the wind. Not at all. They're going to care still, but not. they're going to care less than a buck will. So you can get away with more. You can get away with some more contrary winds. You can get away with more mistakes. You can get away with being a little sloppier. And for lack of a better way to say it, you can get away with being new and not knowing what you're doing a lot easier than you can if you're trying to go after mature bucks. Which is why I recommend to all new hunters, your 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 first number one goal should be to get a deer. A deer. And you should apply doe hunting strategies to try to get that deer. You should apply doe hunting strategies. You should try to hunt does because they're more tolerant of mistakes, more tolerant of sloppiness, less likely to leave or go nocturnal, and you have a much better chance of being successful in the woods, bringing some deer home, learning, growing, having fun, all of that. You know, I would never send a new hunter into the woods saying only shoot a buck. I feel like you're just you're just setting them up for frustration because you don't know enough yet to be able to pursue big bucks effectively. You don't even know big buck hunting strategy, let alone be any good at it. And you're just setting yourself up to be more frustrated. Whereas if you start with hunting does, you're able to learn, you're able to grow, you're, you're working on your stealth, you're working on your scouting, you're working on understanding how deer live and move in their habitat, and you're much more likely to be successful hunting does. And then after a few seasons, you develop more, you learn more, you listen to more podcast episodes, you watch more YouTube videos, you get more first-hand experience in the woods, and you develop in your ability to learn and apply buck hunting strategies and then be successful there too. So hope this is helpful for you guys. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and head to iTunes. Would really love it if you left a five-star review with a comment, not because I need the moral support, but because it's the number one way to help the channel grow. And I do love hearing from you guys. Every email, every comment, I appreciate it. I enjoy it. I respond to every single one. You can email me through the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes. And of course, in case you don't know, on the website, I have hunting categories. You know, there's a deer hunting category. I don't know what there is. Dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes organized by topic, organized by subject. So you can just sift right through them, find exactly the kind of stuff you're most interested in. Same with turkey hunting episodes, duck hunting episodes, predator hunting episodes, lots of other kinds of categories for different things that you might hunt as well. So till next time, I appreciate you guys. God bless you and go get them in the woods.